0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted and privileged to welcome a very, very senior and accomplished professional, a fellow member of the YPO, Mr. Chris Chandler from Montreal, Canada. Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Ashutosh. It's a pleasure to be
0: here. Thank you. Uh, Chris is the president and CEO of Perative, Access, stro ca- Cash, uh, which who are basically cash optimization experts. And as I mentioned, he's a member of the YPO. So, Chris, before we get into talking about Perative, tell me about your own amazing journey.
1: Well, um, you know, I, I'd say that uh, well, it didn't run in my family. I, I guess you would say that I was basically born a business person. I, I started selling things when I was six years old. Okay. Um, I got a uh, my brother. I talked my brother in, older brother, into getting me a job when I was 13. I was underage. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I was the top salesperson in the company. Wow. Um, you know, and uh, I'm now today both a CPA or a chartered accountant mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. MBA. So business is my job, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also my hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find it fascinating how businesses are run and how they contribute uh, positively to society.
0: Mm-hmm. Fascinating, and. Uh, let's talk about perative uh, tell me a little bit about this venture and what is your own role in this uh, company
1: yeah so uh, perative started from an atm uh, business so mm-hmm. and so access cash which you which you mentioned is actually a uh, the canadian uh, atm division we have uh, at, uh, just before covid more than 10000 atms in canada mhm and um, out of that, we came, uh, you know, the number one cost item in operating ATMs is getting the cash in and out of the machines and paying mm. for the cash. Mm. And after the financial crisis, we we took a look at that um, the same way banks are today. And uh, we did all those traditional things, uh, but we asked different questions. And in asking those different questions, uh, we've come up with a, uh, uh, a completely different way to think about the cash, mm. and uh, and it lowered the the cash float by forty percent,
2: mm. and it
1: took all of the data uh, unused and and un, um, um, unleveraged data, if you will, and made mm. that all productive real time data. So you have better mm. control, you have better visibility into everything, and and you save a lot of money. So it's that's really what we've done. We've turned that now into a SaaS platform to sell to banks. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I would say that's one of the most exciting and most frustrating things I've been involved with.
0: Amazing. And uh, when you say, uh, you know, cash optimization, for a lot of my viewers and listeners, help us understand what is the meaning of cash optimization?
1: It's really It's really focused on banks. So mm-hmm. if you think of banks, they have a mission to make sure that customers can get convenient access to their cash anytime, anywhere. Mm -hmm. So optimizing that cash is really the art and now with part of the science of striking the balance between uh, having cash available all the time. So Mm -hmm. the ATMs are not out of cash, but doing that as cost effectively as possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, I often joke that that most of the uh, banks, the system they have is uh, someone was told to use the least amount of cash possible, but don't run out. Mm -hmm. The machines run out. So an executive yells at them. So they put more cash. They still run out, and executive yells at them, and this cycle continues until they mm-hmm. stop getting yelled at, and mm-hmm. that's the right amount of cash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and obviously, that's not optimized. So,
0: mm-hmm. well yeah. said. Well said. And when you talk of optimization of cash, what are some of the challenges a lot of businesses face? I mean, you know, as you said very correctly, very often there's no cash in the system. Uh, there is sometimes excess cash in the system, and I'm, this, I'm telling you from my own personal experience of running businesses.
1: Yeah, so I, again, this is really focused on banks, and I think their biggest challenge is that there's uh, established best practices, which are both your friend, mm. but in this case, they're the enemy. Okay, mm. so it's been uh, several decades where people have a very uh, strict set of best practices. Mm. Uh, today, uh, those practices are at their limit. And so banks are starting to outsource to someone else to do those exact same best practices, hmm. which is obviously just a mirage like they're they're obviously going to have the same limitations. So really, the challenge is how to uh, get uh, bank executives to start be willing to to uh, expand their their thinking. I mean, it's so it's so narrow today that. Um, Banks are issuing uh, 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 RFPs for cash forecasting, okay. and the scorecards are so narrow they don't allow for any innovation or creativity. So, so they can only, because of the way they structure their RFP, they can only get the exact same thing they have now, which is obviously not serving them well. So, it's very, mm-hmm. uh, it's a very interesting cycle they're caught in.
0: Mm, amazing. And over the last few years, I mean, an ATM is an expensive proposition for banks, you know, and I was it was interesting for me to learn that banks actually do a profit loss on every ATM. I, I thought it was just a service a bank gives to me. But with so much digitization happening, do you see a decline in the brick and mortar banking uh, through branches?
1: I do. I think that uh the branch the, the role of the branch is changing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so today you can really the vast majority of banking can be done either on your phone or your tablet mm-hmm. or through a video chat from your phone, right? So just like we're doing a Zoom mm-hmm. today. There's really two exceptions to that. One is getting physical cash. So mm-hmm. the ATM is still very necessary for distributing cash. Mm-hmm. And the other is the trust that comes from in-person meetings. So if you think about you investing your money with the bank or, or mm. their wealth management arm or you getting uh, lending services and them trusting you to repay the loans often those things are better in person so you'll see mm-hmm. the branch shift to being really focused on on the things that need in in-person interactions
0: mm. and there's also a lot of talk uh, Chris about a digital currency uh, mm-hmm. several countries have launched it India has announced it I think it'll be launched in a few months time how will that impact uh, physical cash?
1: You know, it's um, I, I find it funny because I, I'm not a hundred percent clear. I'm in this business. I spent my life in this. Um, you know, if I send you a wire from Canada to India today, that feels like digital cash to me, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just a, it, So I think what what they're really saying when they're talking about uh, governments doing digital cash is that they're going to set up a blockchain. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, I think probably in financial services, the number one use of the blockchain will be to replace the international wire system, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's slow, right? To send a wire, it's complicated. You have to hit the deadline, you get their wire a day later. Mm -hmm. I think that the blockchain will ultimately replace that international wire system. Mm -hmm. And I think they'll call that digital cash, even though it's the exact same thing as the wire system today. Mm -hmm. But it's it's kind of fun to call it digital cash and it gives you uh, the ability to raise budgets to do blockchain and so on. (laughs) Um, So I think that's what's happening. Otherwise, I'm not sure what
0: else is the what else mm-hmm. is the, well you know from my limited knowledge and understanding I, what i have been seeing is that the digitization of uh, the economy in india particularly has brought about a huge amount of financial inclusion mm-hmm. i'd love to get your thoughts on uh, this uh, and what is your perspective from a developed country
1: uh, well i think um Certainly, in the in the, in America, Canada, America, I would say that one of the keys for digital banking is it is it removes bias,
2: hmm.
1: right? So so um, inher- humans are inherently biased. We're, hmm. We all have biases as much hmm. as I try not to. Everyone has biases, and so uh, so you have two things in the physical world. You have the person on the bank side may may be exhibiting bias, or the other person may be intimidated or shy or what, and, and not even go into the bank. When you shift to digital, you remove much of that bias. So, mm-hmm. you, so, so the uncomfortable person's comfortable sending their digital information in, and on the other side, it's more objectively evaluated. So, I think mm-hmm. that's a really uh, substantial change, and and it's allowing underserved populations to get served. To the mm-hmm.
0: And uh, based on your own vast experience, do you see the world moving increasingly towards a cashless economy, or cash will continue to be king?
1: Uh, so I think a bit of both. So I, I don't think it will be cashless. I do think it will be less cash. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's a big difference. So uh, so overall, we've seen that cash is very resilient. Uh, in, develop, in developed markets, it's remaining very stable in absolute terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, in developing world, uh, it's growing. So
2: mm-hmm. there's
1: more and more cash. Um, during the pandemic, the amount of cash in circulation in Canada and the US went up substantially. Most mm-hmm. people don't realize that. Mm. And um, when you read in the paper, you see uh, on the news that cash has declined. It's usually presented as a percentage of transactions. Mm. And that's true, but it's a little misleading, right? Mm. So we've microtized transactions, you know, think, think back 20 years, you would, if you wanted music, you'd go and buy a a CD. Or a cassette player even before that. Yeah, you would buy a CD for $10, and it would have 10 songs on it. And then Apple uh, iStore comes along and you buy songs one at a time for Mm.
2: $0.99. So you have
1: 10 times more transactions, Mm. but you haven't really changed how much cash and credit card and all that. Mm. So Mm. there's a little bit of game playing on the numbers, Mm. um, but cash is not capturing its growth, uh, Mm. its share of the growth. So Mm. if you assume that I would say 10 years ago, cash was just over 50% of all transactions in North America. Mm. Um, It's now fewer transactions. But that absolute amount of cash is very similar. It hasn't really changed one way or another. Mm. But GDP has grown, the population has grown, the economy right. overall is grown and cash is not getting 50 odd percent of the growth. So mm. it's, it's a relative basis decline. So, that's my, so I think it's less cash in a total absolute term but it's not cashless by any stretch. Mm.
0: Mm. I, agree. I agree with you. Coming back to ATMs, uh, you know, I was talking to someone, some of the large banks in India Mm-hmm. And uh, they all seem to be reducing their investments in ATMs. And yet all of them are sitting on machines and a lot of real estate. Um, I'd love to get your perspective on what are the economics of setting up an ATM?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, uh, it depends a little bit on the country. So we actually spent a lot of time um, trying to establish an ATM business in India
2: mm-hmm. back
1: in 2010. Mm. And the cost structure there is, uh, is, uh, different. So most of the ATMs, my recollection of that was they're set up in, in separate, um, kiosk buildings and yeah. they've got armed guards there at 724. And, the, you know, so there's a different structure to, uh, America where they're typically inside a bank branch mm. that already exists and so on. I think, um, I think, uh, uh, um, uh, some developed markets, like India was on a gold rush for ATMs from mm. 2010 through recently. They're probably mm. over overstretched. Mm. Um, and as you put more and more ATMs, the number of transactions per ATM goes down. So I think mm. you're seeing some of that in India. Mm. In America, some banks are reducing ATMs, some are growing them. Mm. And uh, all of them are looking for a way to lower their cost, mm. right? And the cost of the ATM and cash distribution. So mm. some are outsourcing, some are using surcharge-free networks. You know, we think one of the critical things to do is really look at how they manage cash. Mm. So they're again, they're all doing it on the paradigm that's been there for 20 years. They're investing more and more in that. They're doing that better and better. And it's still not delivering step change results. Mm. They really need to think about
0: it differently. Mm. And do you see any alternative uses coming up for, for ATM machines or at least, you know, that huge amount of equipment sitting all over?
1: Yeah. So and that's probably one of the biggest frustrations in the uh, in the ATM world is we have you know two square, two or four square feet of uh, real estate, and we have a screen, and uh, we think we should be able to do many many things with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the the good fortune way back in nineteen ninety nine. I was consulting, and we were working with one of the largest banks in the U.S. at that time, trying to put um, you know tickets to events and postage stamps and prepaid cards and so on onto the ATM. Mm. And at that time, all it did was create huge lineups of people angry that they couldn't get their $20 bills. Mm. Um, and then fast forward, we've, we've stayed very close to this. There's been some small pockets of success temporarily. Mm. Mm. Uh, we saw phone top-ups be a big hit. Advertising was a flop. Uh, so today, we, we're, we're really of the view that, um, that it's not sexy, But efficiently dispensing cash is really what ATMs are meant to do, Mm. and all of the other stuff often is to, you know, uh, for the manufacturers make more money selling you a more complicated ATM. Mm.
0: Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, My next question to you is about about the pandemic, and you know, we all hopefully come out of it uh, now, and that there won't be anything sliding back. How has the pandemic impacted the business of ATMs and cash?
1: Uh, certainly, I think it's different by country and, and different by how the country reacted. Uh, what we saw in the United States was there was a crash when when COVID hit and America locked down. Um, they obviously crashed down. America only locked down for six or eight weeks, and then right. they reopened. And they uh, they chose to do direct stimulus to their citizens. Mm-hmm. And so ATMs actually boomed. So the transaction volumes in the United States, Went far above pre-COVID numbers for a mm. period of time, and then they've been settling back down. And some, you know, some firms are having to deal with the, uh, you know, they set their budget based on that new big number, and they're and they're having mm. some problems. Mm. In Canada, where I am, we've had the opposite. Canada stayed very locked down uh, for almost two years. Yeah, uh, you know, and uh, and so it's really changed uh, patterns. It it uh, caused a huge. A gap in uh, earnings for ATM companies, mm. and um, and we're only now starting. You know, it's been two and a half years, and we're only now trying to get people back into their offices and back into uh, a regular flow. So mm. I, I think we're we're well behind um, markets like the U.S. in getting getting our our street economy, if you will, back back going.
0: So mm. I think. We're, mm. we're really Interesting. Struggling. So Chris, let's now talk a little bit about Perative. You know, uh, you mentioned that you were pivoting into a SaaS platform. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little more about that. And what are some of your own challenges and learnings as you are pivoting your own company?
1: Yeah, so it's been very interesting. We, uh, I would say back in 2018, we had already built this um, system for ourselves, we built it internally.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: a bank, uh, bank asked us about cash forecasting, and we said, well, no, uh, we can't do that. But we could actually just do everything for you in our system mm. um, over the course of about 18 months. Uh, they they pursued that with us and wanted to do it. And then and then you know the world shifted. They had some other issues. The person that was championing that left the bank. And then we then we were sat there kind of going, well, what happened? Like mm. there's clearly an interest here. There's something. Um, so, so then we said, well, let's turn this into a product. So Mm. we've, we, um, uh, we've been working very hard. I mean, our, our mission is to make cash accessible and affordable. Mm. Mm. And, um, and we've now, uh, moved that into a platform for banks. And we've been talking with banks around the world. Mm.
2: Um,
1: and it's, what's challenging What I said earlier that it's the most exciting and most frustrating, the frustrating part is, is, um, the the solution to to unleash the the data that the banks have that Mm -hmm. they don't currently use we need uh three different groups in the bank to cooperate so today Mm -hmm. atms are managed by the atm group they're a lot of the work uh in the middle is the operations group doing reconciliations Mm -hmm. and then the cash is managed by the treasury group Mm -hmm. and trying to get these three groups to agree on anything is incredibly difficult even Mm -hmm. uh even when it's uh, helpful What's probably the number one thing in our favor is most of the time we've been marketing this, cash was essentially free. So if you think of the, mm-hmm. of America, the Federal Reserve rate was between zero and 0.25%. Mm. So what we've seen uh, is, you know, American inflation is about 8% in mm-hmm. general.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the inflation in cash costs for ATMs is 1,900%. Wow. So. So it's gone from 0.25% and uh, Goldman Sachs says by February, it'll be 4.75%. So 19 mm-hmm. times more expensive. So we think that that's a call to action that banks can't ignore. So that's, mm-hmm. that's $45 million for every billion dollars of cash a bank uses. Mm-hmm. They now just lost 45 million of profitability overnight. Wow. Um, so, so we can help with that. And we're, we're, um, we're, we're uh, working towards you know getting banks we think that's the catalyst for banks to uh, start to really take this seriously
0: hmm. fascinating would that mean lesser number of atms or would it mean more access for the customer or?
1: i think it will help with uh, you know one of the pressures in america is to make in, in the financial inclusion model is to make sure they're represented with atms in very poor neighborhoods and so on hmm. and that's just a pure cost for them hmm. uh, and so what we what we Um, what we can bring is we bring a lot of visibility and transparency to the data, Mm -hmm. but we're also lowering the cost of their existing fleet. So some of that lower cost can go to their bottom line, but some of it can be reinvested in these financial inclusion initiatives Mm -hmm. uh, that have going on so that they become self-supporting, right? So the ATM channel can pay for the ATM channel's uh, expansion for financial inclusion. So Mm -hmm. I think that's very important um, that there are ways to make that self-funding.
0: Fascinating. So Chris, I know I've, got, uh, I've got time for about three or four more questions. So I'm going to move to a few questions for you personally, because our, my viewers and listeners love to get to know my guests a little better. Let me start by asking you that, you know, in such an amazing career that you've had, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career?
1: Milestones. I I would say uh, number one, getting my chartered accounting or CPA.
2: Mm. uh,
1: That was fascinating. Um, It's a, you know, businesses and governments and others open all their books up to you. They explain Mm. how their business works. (laughs) Yes. And you get to ask them all kinds of questions. Uh, It's a fascinating base Mm. uh, for business. So that's sort of my analytical side. Mm. Mm. Um, Becoming a CEO. So I I grew up um, in a poor immigrant. Uh, family my, my parents emigrated in 1956 to Canada mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, I worked in strategy consulting for a number of years and during the dot-com boom mm. someone gave me a chance to run a business to be the CEO and that mm. that was game-changing so I you know I haven't left the CEO chair since in 1990 mm. uh, 1999 wow but uh, that was that was a big milestone Mm -hmm. And then I think uh, that I'd say also the management buyout. So I was a a hired employee, if you will. And in 2005, I I started um, I stepped in to run this ATM business in 2008. uh, I was able to do a management buyout Mm -hmm. uh, with a financial partner, another YPO, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And uh, four years later, we sold it for a for a tremendous gain um, that that know, essentially help, uh, help me become financially secure. So those would be three big milestones for me. Personally. Fascinating.
0: Fascinating. My next question to you is, who or what inspires you?
1: Oh, um, I think a few things. So I think my parents' uh, courage in immigrating. when I heard the stories of you know, back in the 50s, uh, packing mm-hmm. up your bags in northern England and, and uh, taking the boat over and all that stuff wasn't so easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had a lot of courage. And I think that that helped me become a bit of a risk taker and uh, and feel that, you know, you can recover from things. Mm-hmm. And in business, I'd say it's my former business partner, this uh, fellow that did the MBO with me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a self-made billionaire now, uh, probably one of the smartest people I've met. But really, what I loved about him was his demonstrations of humility, uh, analytics, generosity, mm-hmm. and and all the while, you know, being this absolutely world class, world leading investor. So mm-hmm. uh, he was really a great role model, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, for me in business.
0: Yeah, Interesting. And my last question to you, Chris, and this is for the many, many people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your own amazing journey, what would you say are three lessons or three learnings you would want our viewers and listeners to take away?
1: Uh, I think number one, um, that, that risk-taking or even, you know, smart risk-taking. Risk-taking is not just throwing caution to the wind. I mean, you mm. do some analysis, you weigh mm. the odds, you take risk. Mm. But so risk-taking and persistence, it pays off. Like in mm. every stage of my journey, I've been willing to take risks and then I stuck with things when through adversity because it never goes smoothly yeah and uh if you hang in there and you keep pivoting and uh it really pays off so so that would be number one yeah um i would say specific to prerive i'd say trying to find bankers willing to take a modest risk for positive change Mm. uh, versus sticking with their decades-old best practice it's really Mm. hard (laughs) so that would be that would be lesson two and then um lesson three i'd say that luck is ninety nine percent hard work. Um, I think a lot of young people kind of see someone else as being lucky or wish that their luck would change. And you know, my experience is uh, it's ninety nine percent hard work. And yes. you know, if I, yeah.
0: So there that, you go. And that is so true. And on that note, Chris, and your three wonderful learnings or lessons, which is risk taking and persistence, ultimately pays off. The second one was take a risk for positive change and I completely agree with you on that. And the third one which was luck is important but 99% of what you achieve is hard work and that is so well articulated. Thank you Chris for having such an un- great conversation with me. Thank you for talking to me about Perative, about all the work that you're doing with ATMs about your new uh, SaaS platform. Thank you for talking to me about the future of ATMs. And what's going to happen to that. Thank you also for talking to me about cash and how the whole, uh, you know, how the, the universe of cash is likely to go through a change, but yet cash will continue to be a significant part of our lives. Thank you again for speaking to me and good luck. It's my great
1: pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You, videocast and podcast